Well, you know, one of the things we could investigate on that front is whether or not love in some, in any real sense, can be unconditional, right? Because if you're, if the love is unconditional, it doesn't have an element of encouragement towards an ideal. There's nothing that's discriminating and, and judgmental in the way that's elevating because everything you do is instantly, well, it's all loved. Well, wow. Wow. That's uh, Jordan Peterson. And he's framing up a portion of my topic tonight. Welcome to the VOR, the voice of reason, live on KBLA Talk 1580. You already know it is. We broadcasting live from the heart of Lamert Park, a.k.a. Africa Town. Tonight's topic. Here it is. Here it is. Unconditional love isn't synonymous with unconditional tolerance. Sometimes we think we love somebody because we stick it out and we hang in there through anything. And it's very interesting. I believe in unconditional love, me personally. I, you know, just for my personal self, I believe in unconditional love. But I do believe unconditional love is a state of awareness. It's a state of consciousness. It's not a verb. Uh, it's not actions. It's, it's awareness. It's a state. It's a high level. And when I describe it, I oftentimes use John 3.16 to give you uh, a concept around love, right? To me, love is synonymous with the omniscient source of all that is, a.k.a. God, if you so if you believe in God, right? I believe love is synonymous with God, and that's why I use John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sacrificed his son for people who don't care about him. Now, to me, the whole metaphor or the whole meaning and purpose in that particular script is basically saying that unconditional love requires unconditional sacrifice of ego. And I would even go further, unconditional sacrifice of what you modeled when you were a child. Too many of us take how we, how we were raised to be the blueprint of truth as we walk into adulthood. So for me, John 3.16 encapsulates the idea of sacrifice in order to love. But then I start to question, what are you sacrificing? And I would believe, this is me, I would believe you're sacrificing your lower nature, your lower levels of consciousness, shame, greed, guilt, insecurity, fear, anger. I believe in order to achieve unconditional love, you must take the conditions of what you modeled off your soul. So if there's very limited access to unconditional love for the majority of us, then that means most of us are probably practicing something called unconditional tolerance. We're just trying to hang in there until we can't hang no more. We try to hold on until the rope of hope the rope of change, uh, the rope of transformation starts to burn. Many people in life expect things to happen for them 
without effort, without dedication, without commitment, and being in an unconditional love relationship first starts with your relationship with yourself. Tonight's topic, love, unconditional love, isn't synonymous with unconditional tolerance. Well, maybe they'll change. Maybe if I keep pouring in, maybe if I keep loving on, maybe if I keep uh, uh, supporting and building up and encouraging, and maybe if I keep explaining, maybe if I keep giving context, maybe if I keep giving different perspectives, that something might shift. Well, like I said, unconditional love is an entirely different level of consciousness that I believe to be synonymous with whom and what we call God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think tolerance might be better than love in relationship? Some people might say so. If I have boundaries and I have expectations, then tolerance works. Let me see what you're going to do, right? with regards to my boundaries. I tell you what my boundaries are. Let me see how you will deal and adjust your behavior when dealing with me, my boundaries, right? But remember, tolerance is always silent timer on tolerance. There's always a silent timer. I can only tolerate you for so long. I can only tolerate you To the depth of my capacity, my mental capacity, my emotional capacity, my psychological capacity. Many people are in an unconditional tolerance relationship and not an unconditional love relationship. Why? Because love makes room for humanity. Unconditional love understands I'm dealing with a flawed being, regardless of how well they've done in society, regardless of how much money or how many zeros are in their bank account, regardless of what kind of car they drive, regardless of where they live in the city, you know, tolerance basically works for benchmarking. Hey, I'm going to see where this goes. That's a type of tolerance. Hey, I'm going to give you a chance. That's a type of tolerance. Does this make sense? Somebody get to your phone lines, 1-800-920-1580. How might societal expectations and cultural norms impact our understanding of unconditional love? Well, society says love is an action. It's a gesture. I'm doing this to show you that I care. Mm, I don't believe in love like that. And... There was a clip floating around, and uh, I think it was by a clinician. She made a very salient point. Uh, She basically said, our attachment styles are related to our love languages. I think, no, I think it was Dr. Jashana Johnson who said that. She was here when she said that. Typically, show me love as a love language is because you wasn't shown love. You know, buy me things, get me things, right? Maybe you didn't get things when you were younger. So to me, that answers that question. How might societal expectations and cultural norms impact our understanding of unconditional love? In what ways can unconditional tolerance be toxic 
or problematic in intimate relationships. Well, guess what? If you're just tolerating everything, you're letting everything slide. And remember, tolerance is different than acceptance. Some would even say unconditional love is a form of acceptance. Because I unconditionally love you, I accept your behavior. Because I unconditionally love you, I accept your treatment of me. Well, I don't believe that either. Unconditional love is an entirely different level of consciousness. And if you were fortunate enough to reach that level of consciousness, I do not believe you would have magnetized or attracted a type of person that uh, would take advantage of that love. Again, relationships has a way of exposing you to yourself, exposing you to what it is you need to work on personally. How do you define unconditional love and how does it differ from any other forms of love? Can you provide examples of healthy expressions of unconditional love and relationship? What does unconditional love mean to you in context of an uh, intimate relationship? And how do you define unconditional tolerance when it comes to being in a close relationship? I'm not tolerating anything that's not for my highest good. I'm not going to tolerate it from me. And I'm damn sure not going to tolerate it from you. I know y'all not ready for tonight's topic. Unconditional love is not synonymous with putting up with my ish indefinitely. That's what this topic is about. You think because you are loved that you're supposed to be tolerated. Well, I would say yes. Okay, yes, yes. I tolerate my, I I love my kids despite, uh, you know, Whatever mistakes they make, Uh, you know, I would love my woman uh, despite any mistakes she might make. Um, But again, there will be some conditions, right? We're going to frame conditions. Well, how do we move forward? Well, how would you like to move forward? Uh, What do you want it to look like? And what I find is a lot of people have a very difficult time having those types of conversations. A lot of people would expect you to accept them as they are when, in fact, they have yet to accept their complete selves. If we get back to Krishnamurti, he's saying self-love is or or love in itself is connected to self-awareness the more self-aware you are the more the universe opens up and you begin to vibrate on a higher level so where there is self-knowledge the cultivation of self-knowledge there can be the cultivation of unconditional love but because there are aspects of ourselves that we loathe. There are aspects of ourselves that we denigrate in private. There are aspects of ourselves that we shun and are indifferent to. Then we go out into the adult world trying to date somebody 
with the paradoxical hope that they're going to love us unconditionally. Or should I say, not they're going to love us, they're going to plug us. We're the plug. They're looking for something to put into a hole, a physical hole, an emotional hole, a psychological hole. They're looking for the plug. They're not looking for love. Right? And once they identify you as the plug, a, a, a person that can fill them up to, with, with something that might be needed, now they kick into tolerance mode. How long will the plug be here? How long will the plug last? They're looking for the plug. They're not looking for love. Ladies and gentlemen, the voice of reason got another one. It's Friday. You know I'm not going to take my foot off your neck. Unconditional love is not synonymous with unconditional tolerance. When we come forward, I'll be asking more questions and opening up the phone lines. I want to talk. Another sign of a toxic family member is their inability to demonstrate unconditional love. Now, just so we're clear, I'm not saying that your family has to agree with or embrace all of your life choices and opinions, and I'm not saying that they don't have the right to set boundaries in the relationship. In fact, setting boundaries is crucial to any healthy relationship. Unconditional love, simply put, is love without strings attached. They love you and do nice things for you and want to see you be happy and successful without expecting you to give them something in return. They love you despite any flaws or mistakes you make and respect you as an individual separate from them, a separate person with your own thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Unfortunately, a lot of people grew up with parents who showed them conditional love. You had to be the best athlete, make straight A's, follow the church, follow a certain career path. Basically, you had to live up to their expectations or risk losing their love and support. By mirroring your parents, by meeting these expectations or meeting these conditions, you actually gave them validation and support instead of the other way around. This rigid, transactional way of life is an exhausting cycle that leaves you feeling like you're never good enough. And let's say you do nail it. You make them proud, whatever the thing is. You have to keep it up, right? There's no room for failure. You can't change your mind or just be able to step back and breathe and figure out who you are and what you want out of life. When you learn this kind of conditional love from a young age, it can be a really painful legacy that follows you well into adulthood. You feel guilty and ashamed for having your own thoughts and opinions or becoming your own person. You may still push yourself, try to do even more to please your parents, always trying to prove yourself, trying to hit that mark so you don't lose them. So, the voice of reason returns full circle on KBLA Talk 1580. So, guess what? If you could never please your parent, chances are you might not be able to please yourself. Chances are you might not be able to please your partner. Ugh. Because, listen, if you're trying to please your parent, you're trying to, you're, you're pleasing for a purpose, right? You're pleasing for validation. So if you never got validation from your parents, you're going to go looking for it from your partner. If you don't get it from your partner, your partner is somehow incompatible with your attachment desires. Your attachment style has its own needs as well. How many people are in a relationship right now just tolerating their partner? 
hoping they would change, hoping they would be something other than what they are. Again, do you see when you don't add in the caveat of consciousness, high consciousness and low consciousness, you're going to see that people throw everything into one basket. So look, low conscious loving is not really loving. It's attachment, right? You're attached to the needs of your attachment style. Your attachment style, say it's dismissive avoidant. Your attachment style says, I don't need you to love on me hard or I don't need you to lean in because my parents didn't lean in. Raised a different kind of way. All of the emotional spectrum that I showed my parents, not all of the emotions were acknowledged or validated. So what I what did I do? I had to learn how to self-soothe. So what that means, I, I, I want to be by myself. I don't need your help. And when you lean in, they fall back. So the attachment style has needs. We're attached to the needs of our attachment style until we learn how to go in and employ what I call self-authorship. This is why you go back to deal with who raised you. This is why you go back to understand some of their unspoken internal issues. Who is their parents, primary caregivers? You go back to try to understand, oh, this is what you dealt with intrapersonally. Oh, and because I was raised by you, I got some of that on me. Make sense? Again, we want unconditional love, but the only way to get unconditional love is to get free of what you modeled. Whatever toxicity that existed in your life, you got to break free of that. Now, if you don't know how to break free of that, man, there's so many books. Loyalty to Your Soul by Ronald and Mary Hulnick, Ph.D. Both of them have Ph.D.s. Loyalty to Your Soul by Ronald or Ron and Mary Hulnick. Very powerful book, very intense book, but it gets you to look at you and what and basically what you're comprised of. 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone line. Get to your phone line. Or you can buy my latest book, The Shrouded Lighthouse, How to Discover the Silver Lining in Any Situation Shift. You can get that book. KBLA listeners, you can get that book uh, from the KBLA bookstore, the KBLA uh, website. I think it's KBLA.store. You could go there right now. Loyalty to Your Soul, The Heart of Spiritual Psychology by Ronald and Mary Holnick. When I come forward, you already know phone lines are going to be cracking Get to your phone lines. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580.
We are told to aim for unconditional love and to accept our romantic partners just as they are. In today's video, I'm going to share why I think unconditional love can be toxic and what we can aim for instead. Unconditional love sounds wonderful. It sounds beautiful. Many experts say it's ideal. It's the golden ticket to be able to love somebody unconditionally and accept them with all their flaws. And while I do believe it's important to choose a partner who you love, who has all your must-haves and no deal-breakers, I also believe that once you accept that person that you want to be with, that you should accept them for who they are. Don't try to change their personality. But there's a big difference between that and unconditional love. I believe unconditional love is a myth, and it's harmful to believe that we can attain it. Here's the problem. If we accept and love our partners unconditionally, it means that they don't have to meet any conditions. It gives both partners permission to treat each other however they want. Conditions are boundaries and agreements, and without them, there is no real love. There have to be conditions for love to last and be healthy. Unconditional equals accept everything our partner does. And if we should accept everything unconditionally, that means there are no boundaries, there is no conflict, and there is no expressing hurt feelings. Any healthy relationship is going to have conflict. And to keep a relationship alive and healthy, we need to work through our disagreement. Who's that crazy lady talking? What's that lady name? That lady crazier than a bag of angel dust. <laughs> <laughs> what's the uh what's the name of the clip? <laughs> why unconditional love can be toxic. Why unconditional love can be toxic. And this is why I always point back to the 17th century and deal with Rene Descartes. Rene Descartes basically separated spirituality, religion from science. He separated these notions. So when you get all of the empirical data that Western society amasses around a topic, because of Descartes 17th century influence, just know that the information will be devoid of spiritual context. Spiritual context. You talking about the highest level of consciousness which is synonymous with God. That's what you're talking about. And you talk about there will be no boundaries. Well, God is infinite. So why would unconditional love be any less than God? And unconditional love is infinite. The problem is we're trying to find a version of unconditional love at our current state of evolution. This is why people like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, and all the spiritual sages and sadhus and sadis and all of these, uh, you know, uh, shamans or whatnot. This is why they're rare. And this is why typically they're ostracized because people of the lower level of consciousness, they have no idea what they're talking about. Unconditional love means no boundaries. No, it doesn't. Unconditional love is a heightened state of consciousness. It is not some, uh, you know, 
cultural or dogmatic ideals that are passed down from generation to generation. Now, interacting with folks, being a relationship thespian, you pick up different things that people do and behave as from, you know, the people that are around you, who raised you, uh, who you were raised around. You pick up certain traits and behaviors from them. But we let's not make the mistake and label that love or because remember, love is not enough. If if the actions don't lead up to it again, when you're at a certain level of consciousness, it's not about doing. It's more about being. You ain't got to ask for love. If you are love, you ain't got to ask for peace. If you are the embodiment of peace, you ain't got to ask for hope. If you're hopeful, you don't have to ask for anything. If you are the thing we typically ask for what we're not. Which makes us users. Because we will discard people that are not giving us what we want in favor of those that are giving us what we want until they can't give it to us no more. Now, their problematic tolerance, unconditional tolerance. I know y'all don't want to hear this tonight. This is heavy stuff. Get to your phone. Uh, the phone lines are already crowded. Let's get people in here. Nazarene X, Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. Peace, huh? Goodness. Talk to me, brother. Talk to me. What are your thoughts about tonight's topic? Look, you know me. I'm I'm Mr. Love. <laughs> love always wins. Love is love. <laughs> All that love is love. Undefeated. Don't always win, bro. I can tell you that first. Yeah, because love ain't always got to fight. <laughs> ain't even ain't even be engaged in nothing like love just is. So that's that. What would cause love? Well, how? Let me I, ask you this question: If love is Muhammad Ali, who is love's Larry Holmes? First thing that came to mind is self doubt. Keep going. That's just—I really, for real, I don't even know too much about the Larry Holmes and Ali dynamic. Put it this way: I'll, I'll give you a quick yeah. prime. <laughs> Because I'm your uncle. I'll give you a quick primer. Larry Holmes, for many, many years, sparred with Ali. When Larry Holmes became champion years later, after many years of sparring with Ali, Larry Holmes fights Ali. But at this stage of the game, Ali is already disheveled. There is the onset of uh, Parkinson's disease. And Larry Holmes just brutally beat him down. And a lot of people were very upset with Holmes because most people knew. People thought Foreman was going to kill Muhammad Ali, right, in the thriller in Manila in Africa. They thought, oh, no, you on the other side of your career. Don't fight this 20-year-old monster. They thought it then. But when he years later, I think in 78, somewhere around there, he fights you know, Larry Holmes. And Larry Holmes was merciless in his dispatching of Muhammad Ali. Many years later, I think it was 80-something, 86 or something, 
home uh, Holmes fights, uh, uh, of course, Mike Tyson. And in the ring with Mike Tyson is Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali tells Mike Tyson, get him for me. Right. So, so this is what I mean. If unconditional love can get beat up, who does unconditional love get beat up by? If unconditional <laughs> love is Muhammad Ali, who is unconditional love's Larry Holmes? Even further into that, I'd have to lean into ignorance, period. Keep going. And, and I say that because unconditional love, it stands apart in terms of how a box stand with English and finding or using the word love to express various emotions or relationships and all this. Like, there are different layers of love to a degree, and unconditional love, to my knowledge, stands apart as agape, which does not need a reason. But, but Everything, see, you building now. You're building. If you had it, wouldn't you focus on it? Which goes back to that uh, <laughs> clip. The whole thing of, you know, the young lady was speaking about, uh, you know, unconditional love is a myth and such and such with attaining it. But even you just spoke to a few moments ago, like unconditional love in that sense is something that you need to attain. You embody that. And these relationships that we have, even with like terms of tolerance and so forth, um, I want to say that it's based on the expectations or you need a reason. No, no, no. It, Naz, you, you missing what I'm saying. If you okay. had it, wouldn't you focus on it? Your focus determines your reality. Whatever the thinker thinks, the prover will prove. Many of us don't have unconditional love because anxiety, fear, self-doubt, and lack of self-knowledge is where the majority of our attention is placed. And if you are focusing right. on the dark, you are simultaneously manifesting the dark. Go ahead, brother. Right. Now I'm with you. And again, that's the extension of so like these relations that we get in because to that extent, it's like even partnership within that context is based on a set of conditions for it to exist. Unconditional love, again, it, it stands apart even from like uh, an obligation or say like you have to do something that's not true to yourself. So again, it's it's like if someone is focused on not uh, writing themselves off for whatever reason, like, again, you're just focusing on fully discovering yourself, embracing yourself, accepting yourself, learning about yourself, and so forth. I believe, like, that's part of the source where unconditional love thrives that can be extended to everyone that you know of. Because I also feel like to that extent, unless you're mentally conceiving of something, there's no way that you can't love it in the first place. I love it, brother. On whatever level. <laughs> I love it, nephew. You brought Atlanta, Georgia in the building. Look, 
If you want to bring your city in the building, you know the deal. You know the deal. All you got to do is call me, 1-800-920-1580, non-judgmental conversation. We want to have a deep one. Unconditional love is not synonymous with unconditional tolerance. When we come forward, V-O-R, fire. Yes, you may be holding on to them with love. It's unconditional love. And it may be unconditional love. But make sure that you do not allow for this to keep going. That you say, I love you. You can just come and be whoever you are and do whatever you want. And it's all fine with me. Treat me in any way you like. That is not love. And that will just bring you more and more pain. And you won't respect who you are. You won't respect what you are doing and your decisions. And you won't respect them because you'll see that they're not behaving in their highest energy way in the best way possible to you. They're not bringing out the best in you. You're not bringing out the best in them. Take the time to let go of holding on to them and truly hold on to the love that you have for you. Wait, stop, because I I, want to play that whole clip again. But I have to make subtle distinctions. You hear me say this all the time, Alfred Korzybski. When he's talking, he's a linguist. When he's talking about language, he always says the map is not the territory. Language uses us. We don't use language. It uses us. It warps our perception. So I have to add a caveat to what she's saying. Did you hear the type of love she was describing? As a matter of fact, play it one more time and then I'll point it out. Yes, you may be holding on to them with love and you may believe that it's unconditional love and it may be unconditional love, but make sure that you do not allow for this to keep going, that you say, I love you. You can just come and be whoever you are and do whatever you want and it's all fine with me. Treat me in any way you like. That is not love and that will just bring you more and more pain and you won't respect who you are. So again, at the beginning, she said, it may be unconditional love. Then at the end, she said, that is not love. So let let me add the caveat. Love is consciousness. And the same way that Pookie and Ray Ray and, and Rick Rick and them fell off when you went to school and start reading books and shifted your consciousness. That's what's going to happen when you start pouring into you. The goofies fall away. You're not going to be in a relationship with somebody that takes advantage of you, that disrespects your love. That doesn't appreciate. All I'm saying is, if you're with somebody like that, I promise that there is some aspect of your spirit that is being neglected by you. That is not being excavated or uh, investigated by you. So you call in the mirror. And the mirror gives you what you're either consciously or unconsciously ignoring. 
So do you see how easy it is for intelligent people to say, well, it might be unconditional love. But what you can't do is allow somebody to take advantage of you. No, 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 no. What I'm telling you, when you reach a high level of consciousness, and you will, if you're working on it, you will. That's the easiest breakup you'll ever have because your mindset has changed. Your perspective has changed. Your spirit has changed. You're not even going to need a conversation. You, you, there, there will be no need to tolerate no more because now you're like, whoa, I'm in a different mindset. It is an altered state of consciousness. It is not cold stone creamery oh you love me because you took me to get ice cream oh you love me because we went to you know the island no it's more it's more it's another level of consciousness it's not based on actions it's based on being and most people can't be comfortable with who they are Uh uh-oh So what do they do? If I can't be comfortable with me, I'm going to make it uncomfortable with you. 1-800-920-1580. Phone lines are absolutely jacked. Trust me. When I come forward, we're going to Houston. We're going to Florida. We're going to Dallas, Texas. We're going to Oakland, California. The phone lines are jacked. People are turned up. When we come forward, more from the V.O. A narcissist does not know how to give unconditional love because they have never had it themselves. This is why everything is transactional. A narcissist does not know how to give unconditional love because they have never had it themselves. This is why everything is transactional. I had to let it play twice. Oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. Y'all know. I couldn't do this show without referencing my favorite philosopher, J. Krishnamurti. Freedom and love go together. Love is not a reaction. Listen, I don't I, I, I don't know who needs to be tuned in to hear this. Love is not a reaction should be on a T-shirt by itself. But I'll go back to the top and read the quote from the top. Freedom and love go together. Love is not a reaction. If I love you because you love me, that is mere trade. A thing to be bought in the market. It is not love. To love is not to ask anything in return. Not even to feel that you are giving something and it is only such a love that can know freedom listen you're in prison with somebody who takes advantage of what you think you're giving them as love right you think you're giving them love no but what you're giving them is something that has a seed in it That is designed to give you something back because you gave it to him. And and, and, and what I like to call that is a silent contract. It looks like you're giving love. No, you're not. 
You are definitely in prison with this person. You're trauma bonded. There's something going on with them that mirrors something going on with you. And so your acts of love, if y'all want to say love is a verb, your acts of love is really about seeing, did they take my act? Because I gave them the act. Oh, did they consume my act? Oh, they did. Well, let's see if the seed within my act sprouts into the expectation or outcome that I wanted. Listen, love is about freedom. The freedom to be yourself. The freedom to be true to yourself. The the freedom to, to be true when you speak about yourself. If there's apprehension, if there's fear, if there's ego, if there's guilt, if there's shame, love ain't in the building. You've seen the uh, uh, the Exorcist movies. They keep re- rewriting the same damn movie. Every time uh, a priest show up to exorcise a demon, in this case, for relational purposes, it might be guilt. It might be shame. It might be your attachment needs. It might be whatever wounds you carrying around. In every one of these new exorcist movies, the, uh, the demon always tell the priest, God is not here. Well, I'm here to tell you, as long as you got those kind of wounds, love ain't going to be there. Love is about freedom. It's not about confinement. And many of us are confined to the wounds we refuse to nurture and raise as our own. I know that I know y'all don't want to hear it. I know y'all don't want to hear it. As long as one is escaping from loneliness, there is no essential difference between the worship of God and addiction to alcohol. Socially, There may be a difference, but psychologically, the man who runs away from himself, from his own emptiness, whose escape is his search for God, is on the same level as a drunkard. See, God wants you to run to the lesson. Uh Uh-oh, where are my organs? See, God wants you to run to the lesson. See, the mirror of relationship reflects back to you what? Your curriculum. What is your curriculum? Well, the curriculum of your spirit. This is what these other clinicians don't talk about. They don't talk about the spiritual side of relationship. Relationship is the book of Revelation. Oh, whoa, hold on. Relationship is the book of Revelation, self-revelation. Now, if you keep running from the reflections, you're not going to get no better. Nor will your relationships. I'm just trying to I'm trying to point you in a particular direction. Krishnamurti said it another way. He said self-knowledge is the beginning of wisdom, which is the end of fear. 
Most of you are scared to death, but at the same time, swear you love somebody. You don't love nobody as long as you're scared. As long as you're fearful, love is not here. You want love to come in the house? You better look at something that you can love. You better pour into something that you can actually embrace and love. But many people don't want to do it because guess what? If I love you, what are my guarantees? Well, guess what? If you're dealing with unconditional love, there is a freedom involved. You ain't even, you don't need a guarantee. It's who you are. Fear asks for the, the, the guarantee. Fear is saying, give it back to me. I've made a distinction when we talk about reciprocity i told people reciprocity is organic if it is forced then it's transactional uh, i guess i gotta do it because i owe them they did right by me so i guess i gotta show them a little bit of love bread crumbing that's what that is either you love or you're in fear and like Delena said, Delena Zimmerman, when she was on the show, what did she say? She said, I am not in love with you. I am in fear with you. Love ain't got no guarantees because love at the highest level of consciousness, right, is, listen to what I'm going to say, is undifferentiated. You're still in the realm of duality, fear, ego, shame, guilt, apathy, grief, desire, anger, pride. You're still in the realm of duality. If I do this, then I might get this outcome. If I say this, then I might get this outcome. If I behave this way, then I might get this outcome. Love is well beyond that. I am love. I love just because. Go back. The metaphor. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he sacrificed his only begotten. It's a metaphor. It's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. Do you understand? It's a sacrifice. Many people don't want to sacrifice their upbringing. Many people don't want to sacrifice the wounds they got from their upbringing. Many people don't want to sacrifice the setback they got from their upbringing. Many people don't want to sacrifice the disrespect, the marginalization, the minimization, the, the non-acknowledgement they got. They've identified with where they came from. So now that's who they are and they got to stay 10 toes down. Do you understand the problem with that, you put the onus on your partner to be your everything. That's why codependency exists. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why we tolerating. I don't know why we tolerating. I know ain't no such thing as unconditional tolerance. Tolerance has conditions. You need to show up. If you don't show up, I'm going to show out. And when I show out, that will be the end of the situation. Do you see what I'm saying? That's where most of us live. Love, high level of consciousness. It's undifferentiated spirituality that is synonymous with the fundamental source of all existence, a.k.a. God. Many of y'all don't know. 
Many of y'all don't know. You want it, but you're scared to cultivate it. Oh, it starts with you. And accepting you as accepting yourself as a booger bear, that's one part. That's one part. What do you mean a booger bear, Zoe? Listen, Zoe Williams is flawed. Don't you ever come on here and think for one second that Zodan figured it out. Let me tell you something. Zodan bumped his damn head so many times, I got amnesia for how many times I have fallen. But in the falling, I grow up. I learn, I evolve, I adapt. And with every fall, 10,000 more trepidatious steps manifest on my path. I don't think y'all understand. Oh, well, when are the lessons over? I'm tired of the lessons. The lessons are gonna be here for as long as you're here breathing. That's how long the lessons last. They don't end. You wanna reach Love and then be able to mirror it back with somebody. Accept your brokenness. And accept it with the love that you want to share or reflect with your partner. I'm sorry. I'm on a tangent tonight. Let me get some line, uh, some phone lines. Up. Or do I, I got to come forward? When I come forward, I'm going to go back to the phone lines. We got folks on the line. They want to talk about it. Let's get it. Unconditional love is a disturbing and unhealthy idea. Everybody wants unconditional love. All the experts tell you, you must give your children unconditional love. If I love you unconditionally, you don't matter anymore. Because no matter what you do, no matter how you act, no matter how you turn out, I decided I'm going to love you and there's nothing you can do about it. That feels like a rejection. Because love is an emotion and emotions are reactions. Emotions are exciting precisely because they rise and fall, they come and go, they're fickle, they're unpredictable the way they should be. So what is unpredictable? Emotions. What can be unconditional? Facts. So a mother shouldn't say to a child, I love you unconditionally. The mother should say, I am your mother unconditionally. I will be your mother even when I hate you. And right now, I hate you. Hey, listen, I love bringing in divergent perspectives. Listen, whenever I look at a problem, you know what I see? When I, when I see a problem, do you know what I see in a problem? I see multiple right answers and multiple wrong answers. Do you understand? I don't see just one potential right answer or just one potential bad answer when all of the uh, possibilities or probabilities are present in a, a, a physics problem say like with the double slit experiment right when there's shooting a particle through a slit uh, to hit a wall in the back of this particular experiment, there is a phenomenon that happens in the double slit experiment that is called superposition. Superposition just means every possibility is present here. And the mathematics supports every possibility. You see that in Schrodinger's cat, where when they put a cat inside of a box, 
with uh, uh, an element that is decaying that could actually kill the cat. They put the cat in a box with that element. They close the box. And then the question becomes, what happened to the cat? Well, until we open the box to see, the cat is then deemed both dead and alive. They're, say, they're saying the cat is in superposition. Sometimes we are looking for our answer. And we don't understand that God is in superposition. God is every answer, right, wrong, indifferent. God is the yes. God is the no. God is the maybe. But because we're looking for a specific answer, it always looks wrong. Sometimes God may be showing you a different answer that actually could help you get to your highest good if you were looking through the eyes of a different perspective. I know I know a lot of people don't want to hear it, but Krishnamurti says it like this. When the mother and father love their children, they do not compare them. They do not compare their child with the other child. It is their child, and they love their child. But do you want to compare yourself with something better, with something, with something nobler, with something richer. So you create in yourself a lack of love through comparison. Man, y'all talking about I I'm in love. Not when you, you can't, listen, this is the purpose of my book, The Holographic Relationship. I'm telling you, your whole story goes with you wherever you go. So if you're comparing yourself to anybody unconsciously, secretly, quietly, you can't bring love to your boy. You can't bring love to your relationship because there's no love in you. Why? Because you're comparing yourself to somebody that you think that you've defined as better than you. Let me read it again. When the mother and father love their children, they do not compare them. They do not compare their child with another child. It is their child, and they love their child. But you want to compare yourself with something better, with something nobler, with something, with something richer. So you create in yourself a lack of love. Jiddu Krishnamurti on love and loneliness. Love. Unconditional love doesn't exist. Not for the spiritual pauper. Not from for the spiritual commoner. It does not. It's a rarefied space of consciousness. And very few people get to climb that mountain. We got callers. Let's get them in here. Who's been on the long? Oh, man. Nzinga's been on the longest. Pensacola, Florida. Get in here. Hey, hey, good evening. What up, what this up? is a good topic, Mr. Zoe. Nothing much. How you feeling? I'm alive and well. I'm hanging in there. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank Excellent. you for asking. This is a good this is a good topic. Um, of course you had the question, so I had to Google some stuff because sometimes you may think something is one thing but it's actually another. So I wanted to I Google tolerance versus love. And I got a definition and it's interesting because for me how I 
how I internalized it was when you have a when you have an unconditional love, you can go deeper. When someone has a problem or, you know, they may have a, a certain behavior or habit, you want to go beneath the surface to see what it is to kind of help that person either overcome it, you know, get over it. But when there's a tolerance, it's just, well, that's just how they are. You don't kind of want to go deeper. Um, and I think that with unconditional love, it's not necessarily I have to take everything that you do either, because I think that's where the boundary piece comes in, where the woman in the in that first clip that you played, or maybe the second clip that you played, where she was saying, I love you and I'll just take anything. I think people sometimes misconstrue mm-hmm. unconditional love with being walked on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I know I, I know I did. And for me, just because I'm upset with you, my love does not waver. And um, I just want to piggyback. You have one question on there. What was an example of unconditional love? And I feel like that's forgiveness. Um, When people think about forgiveness, and this is just observing, whether it's here in the chat or just in in real life, a lot of times people look at forgiveness on their end. They never look at it when they need it. Mm. I feel like sometimes. So it's, you know, I'm not forgiving, but when it's flipped, do you want that unconditional love? Do you want that expression of unconditional love? Do you want that forgiveness? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a real, I thought that was a real interesting question. And um, that's all I had to say. I love you to thank death. Nzinga, thank you for getting in here. You brought Pensacola, Florida in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, you know what you got to do. Get on your phone line right now. All you got to do is call me 1-800-920-1580. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get in here, get in here. True monger, Dallas, Texas. Talk to me. True monger, you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Talk to me, man. What are your thoughts about tonight's topic? Oh, man. Where to start? Um, I think people put up, go along with the tolerance side of things more based on fear or what they were conditioned to believe in when they were younger. So they just go along with that. And for some, they may break away from that conditioning sooner than others. And they have to figure out what unconditional love is for them because just about everything we grew up on was based on some sort of conditioning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We were conditioned to think about this condition to worship that things of that nature. And you have to eventually look at that information that you were brought up with or conditioned to think, go along with and realize what it really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of times is what <clears throat> they taught you, what they taught you based on fear. Because they never bothered to, they never bothered to look any further than what they were told. So they just carried that stuff along and passed that same information on to other generations, instead of learning, instead of actually learning from what they were taught and doing something different. Just want to continue that same cycle, and that's to me, there's nothing unconditional about that. There's just programming. I love it, brother. I love it, man. I love the insight. I love you hanging on the line for as long as you did. I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for the jewels. Trumonger, Dallas, Texas is in the building. Who we got next? Who is next? Who been on the line? Atala, Houston, Texas. 
Atala, get in here. Well, you know what, Atala, let me just say this. We up against the clock. So just hold tight. Did, did, wait a minute. Sean, Sean, get back on this phone. Sean, call back in here. I'm tired of you calling in and then hanging up. Sean, I'm coming to you, man. Get back on the line. When we come forward, I'm going back to Houston, Texas. We on fire tonight. Some people we are meant to love unconditionally, but does that mean we have to tolerate their toxicity unconditionally too? Some people we are meant to love unconditionally, but does that mean we have to tolerate their toxicity unconditionally too? No, you don't have to tolerate their toxicity. Toxic, listen, from the spirit side, toxicity exists in toxicity. That's the whole relationship as a mirror thing. Right? If you're not toxic, you're not going to have to tolerate nothing from anybody toxic. This, this is why I'm saying there's been a, a gross mislabeling of love. Highest level of consciousness. That is synonymous with God. Or what the theoretical physicists might call the fundamental ground of reality. The foundational ground of reality. Okay? You calling it something, it ain't. If it was, you wouldn't be dealing with what you're dealing with. 1-800-920-1580. Somebody call in and tell me what you think. Atala from Houston, Texas. Get in here. Uncle Zoe, how are you? Yes, are you enjoying tonight's topic? What are your thoughts? Of course, of course. Well, let me just say something real quick. Look, we love you and we really appreciate you. I just I just wanted to say that. Oh, um, thank you, hon. Thank you. For real, for real, for real. But um, so with the unconditional tolerance piece, I believe that like that in itself is a contract. I tolerate you. You tolerate me. We don't speak about the things that uh, we know we both need to work on, essentially. Um, and Nzinga and Haru were making a good point in the chat, speaking on people who've been in relationships for 40, 50 years and getting to that place of, I don't like you, but I love you. And my question is, does it have to be that way? I don't want that. Like, I want to be in a relationship 40, 50 years and still like and love my partner. And maybe that's just like fantastical thinking, but geez. Wow, that's heavy. Let me just say, being in a relationship with somebody that's tolerating you is like knowing when the contract on your job is going to end. Because to yeah. me, no, I'm just saying, to me, tolerance, you know, because you can only do it for so long. Tolerance is basically telling me that I got to, I, I can see it coming. I have an end date. Yes. Yes. So that's what it feels like and looks like to me. To me, tolerance is a type of rejection. In, yes. in intimate relationship to me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I feel like in, in my life and in, in when I look back on like friendships, you know, romantic relationships, whatever, there's always that like weird period of time where there's this like disconnect or, you know, misalignment. And I guess my question is, how do you get past this misalignment without edging into tolerance? Uh, again, 
where you struggle is where your curriculum is, your psychological mm-hmm. curriculum, your spiritual curriculum, the your your uh, the, this internal curriculum. Where wherever you struggle psychologically, if if you struggle with anxiety, uh, if you struggle with communication, if you struggle with empathy, if you struggle with vulnerability, this is where in my opinion, your curriculum is. So what happens is we want to move in relationships like we're whole. When Mm -hmm. When in fact, we're still fragmented. This is why we get so disappointed when we don't get the outcome that we want, right? Because we thought that the, we thought that the outcome would fill the hole. So back to your question, when people say things like that to me, it makes me think you're putting the onus on this person to be something that you refuse to be for yourself. Mm. Yeah. Do, do you see? You're not going to get this person if you are what you're asking for. They don't get to come in now because they're not what you are. Thus, they cannot mirror you. Do you see? It makes sense. Does that make sense? sense? Do you see? Yes. So, so you have to separate because it, you, yes. But it, it's not necessarily. It's more about because see, separation has become the go-to answer and the fix-all for everything. No, no. Be- mm-hmm. Before separation, there should be observation of self. Mm-hmm. And and I call this into my life. In what way? How did I do that? Where's the curriculum? Let me see what I need to work on because I was able to call this in. I magnetized this. I manifested this to me. Do you see? Yes. So for for many people, before that thought process is even put into play, the whole concept of you got to go is put into play. You see how Mm. tolerance and rejection are still kind of connected here in that sense. Does that make sense to you? It makes perfect sense. Yes. Yes. Right. So so essentially I'm observing me while in the situation with the individual instead of leaving the situation and the individual behind altogether. No, stay with me. Watch watch how I hit you upside the head with this one. <laughs> Listen to this. This is Krishnamurti again, and then applied this quote. To your question, watch. Love is something totally new every day. But pleasure is not. Pleasure has continuity. Love is always new. And therefore, it is its own eternity. What are you saying, Zoe? Your attachment style is continuity. This is what I know. Your communication style, continuity. This is what I modeled. Your fears, your anxiety maintains an egoic continuity for you. When we come forward, me and Atala going to finish this up. Oh, my goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, 
That's the voice. My God, that is the voice, man. Whitney Houston, Lord have mercy. You're listening to the VOR live on KBLA Talk 1580. So long as the mind is comparing, there is no love. And the mind is always juggling, (sighs) comparing, weighing, looking to find out where the weakness is. So where there is comparison, there is no love. Jiddu Krishnamurti. Where there is comparison, I would say there's tolerance. We want to see. We want to see how we stack up. We want to see if we add up. Words entangle. But if one can understand the whole significance of the way of one's thought, the ways of our desires and their pursuits and ambitions, then there is a possibility of having or understanding that which is love. But that requires an extraordinary understanding of one's self. Love is not a sentiment, not romanticism, not dependent on something. And that state is extremely arduous and difficult to understand or to be in because our minds are always interfering, limiting, encroaching upon its functioning. Therefore, It is important to understand, first, the mind and its ways. Otherwise, we shall be caught in illusions, caught in words and sensations that have very little significance. Jiddu Krishnamurti. I got to give him one more. He says, the idea is not love. The idea... The word is not love. But only when you have seen the whole movement of desire, attachment, pleasure, then out of that depth of perception comes this strange flower with its extraordinary perfume. That is love. Do you understand? Oh, it's an action. If I bought you a watch, you got to buy me a watch, and it has to be... Oh, God. Okay. Let's get Atala from Houston, Texas, back in here to get her final thought. Atala, what are your thoughts? Hold up, Joe. Um, So, final thought. Um, I think in terms of loving unconditionally, I want to learn how to do that for myself first. Mm -hmm. Um, And more importantly, I want to be more self-aware and absorbed. self-aware and observant, excuse me, of how I'm behaving in my interactions. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. We appreciate the call. Good looking, good looking, good looking. You brought Houston. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. Mimi from Jacksonville, Florida. Get in here. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Mimi. What are your thoughts on tonight's topic? Um, honestly, I think that, um, we're all beautifully flawed. None of us are perfect human beings. And I think that unconditional love is 
loving each other despite our flaws, making the decision to love your partner, your spouse, despite our flaws. And I agree with Nazarene. Um, He said love wins. You said it doesn't. And he all came to the compromise of, um, well, he said, actually, love doesn't always have to fight. So I want to be celebrated. I want to celebrate my partner. I don't want to be tolerated. And I don't want to tolerate him. Mm. So it's loving each other despite our flaws. Well, thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate for uh, appreciate you for the wisdom. That was beautiful. Thank you for thank holding you. on the line so long. The voice of reason is on fire tonight. Let's get these callers in here. Lewis from Omaha, Nebraska. Get in here. Yes, though, it's good to talk to you. I was talking to your boy off stage. He's talking about Charlo got seven for Crawford. I said, come on, man. Uh, Charlo going to get his because he's gonna uh, sorry about that, but he made it personal. See, hey, you he can't, hey, brother, on bud, brother. I, you can't I mean, curse on the radio, man. We on the radio. I know, I know, I know, I know, man. But I, your boy had me hyped up. He'll tell you after I get off. But uh, hey, man, about this love thing. Sometimes you gotta love me even when you don't. Stop all the dances and all this Disneyland stuff. Some days you're gonna be a dog. Some days I am, man. Love don't have love like you said it a long time ago. F with all of you or none of me. See all my awards. You know, you you like the good times, but when I'm down and out, you got to understand I'm human. I do human things. So when I'm having a human experience on a bad day, understand that if you love me, you understand that what, what's understood don't have to be explained. I ain't got time to get somebody my bad laws, bro. If you love me and vibe with me, then you know when I'm vibing or if I feel bad, if I need space, give it to me. Though they make this too difficult, human, female, and male by body parts are designed to go together. Don't oh. let nothing stupid get in the way of that. Right. Hey, brother, I appreciate the insight. Thank you, brother. I appreciate the insight. You brought Omaha, Nebraska, home of Bud Crawford in the building. Listen. He brought up a good point, but there's 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 uh, some limitations to that point. Number one, unconditional love does not mean unconditional tolerance. It doesn't mean you tolerate the badness or the difficulty in a person. It does not mean that. And so many people uh, don't understand that if you're tolerating negativity from your partner consistently, then that's not love. Really, that's masochism. Right. That's not love. I need you guys to hear this. So love is not a thing of the mind. It is only when the mind is quiet, really quiet. When there is no longer any expecting, asking, demanding, seeking, possessing, being jealous, fearful, anxious. When the mind is really silent. Only then there is a possibility of love. This is a consciousness. And when you, uh, Krishnamurti wrote this in his book on love and loneliness. All of these quotes come from that particular book on love and loneliness by Krishnamurti. When you, when you throw in, uh, there's no longer expecting, asking, demanding, seeking, possessing, being jealous, fearful, anxious. All of these concepts, all of these terms lock right into the concept of lack. 
when you're full with the understanding of knowledge of self, which connects you to unconditional love, which is freedom, which is synonymous with God, what are you expecting? What are you asking for? What are you demanding? What are you seeking? What are you possessing? What are you being jealous of? What are you fearful and anxious of? All of these things melt away. Right? He says it another way. Love is not desire. It is a great thing to find out this for oneself. And if love is not desire, then what is love? Love is not mere attachment to your body. Love is not attachment in any form. Love is not jealousy. Love is not ambition. Love is not fulfillment or becoming. Love is not desire or pleasure. The fulfillment of desire, which is pleasure, is not love. So I have found out what love is. It is none of these things. Have I understood these elements and am I free of them? Or I just say I understand intellectually, I understand verbally, but help me to go deeper. I can't. You have to do it for yourself. Krishnamurti in Sanin in 1979. It's very powerful stuff. Listen, y'all know me. I'm the voice of reason. I started the conversation. It's your job to finish it. I'm not right about anything I said. I just want to start a powerful conversation.